Well, good afternoon and thank you for joining me again for Business, The Law and You. Julian Campbell here and we've got another interesting show lined up for you this week. A bit later in the program we'll have one of our Harvard Business Review tips. This particular one is Get More Out of Reference Checks. We're also going to be having our chat with uh, Christina. We're going to be looking at The Future is Faster Than You Think. But right now, we're going to have a chat with Adrian Corbold, who is a lawyer at Turnbull Hill Lawyers. Good afternoon, Adrian. Good afternoon, Julian. So we're going to talk about uh, what happens to your will when you die and, and if you're in business. So if I have a valid power of attorney, can my attorney take care of my business if I die? Uh, a common misconception, Julian, is that a power of attorney carries on after death. So it's power of attorney is a document that permits another person to conduct various specified legal affairs on the behalf of their principal, uh, and that could be conducting business while someone's overseas. But that power ceases the minute the principal dies, and the power does not carry on beyond death. So if someone had that in place, believing that the power of attorney would continue after their death, So, so if I run and own my own business and I don't have a will, can my family sort out who will run and own my business if I die? Well, if that was the case, everyone who doesn't have a valid will does have a will issued to them by the government, which is actually known as intestacy, which is what happens when someone dies without a will. That what, that's what intestacy means. You don't have a will. Hmm. And... Uh, under the law, if you die without a will, your estate will, will pass to certain categories of people. Generally, it goes spouse, children, parents, and it goes down a series of, of blood-related persons. So if someone were in business and they had an intention that, say, their daughter, son, brother were to take on and continue that business, yet they didn't have a will that specifically spelled that out, what would happen is under intestacy, if they were survived by a spouse, their estate would pass t- t- to them. A spouse. Mm. Yeah, spouse. And, and in, and in um, current situations, it's not unheard of for people to separate, yet not divorce. And if they didn't have a valid will, their business assets would pass to their surviving spouse who Mm. they would likely have no intention to benefit from their estate or their business so that's why it's very very important uh, to have a will because otherwise you're going to have a a, a gang of people fighting over who should Mm. take control and that's going to take months to sort out whereas if you had a a good succession plan lined up that's specifically spelled out who was your executor I mean the, the person who takes control of your assets and who benefits from those assets, as in you might have a business will that says I leave this part of my business to this person and they get to operate. But in the absence of that, it can be a real mess. What, what happens if, uh, let's say, the children were working in the business? Would that make any difference or not? Uh, well, if... if so, so it's not uncommon now for there to be what's known as blended families, where there may mm. be children from an earlier relationship, yet, say, their father mother remarries and in that situation a large percentage of the estate would pass to the surviving spouse
spouse and then the the children who survive might only get a a percentage of what's left over. It's a okay. bit of there's a calculation. Mm. But they they would then have to have a battle with the surviving spouse who would likely be the appoint the appointed administrator mm. as to who gets control of what percentage of the business. There can be um, interim court orders that you can seek to appoint someone to run the business, but again, that's a very expensive process. If it's litigated, it might take several months, mm. and in that time, the business could just be bleeding cash, losing mm. customers, uh, all the things. Just look at what's happening now with the coronavirus. There's businesses yeah. shutting down in yeah. a period of weeks. Mm. Cash flows, cash flows been turned off. Yeah, so if you don't have that continuity, your business that you've worked so hard for could just come. I'm and the children, down. yeah, and, and the, the people who you actually intended to look after it, uh, it'll, it'll just be destroyed. So, so you've obviously highlighted the importance of having a will. As a business owner, will a simple or do-it-yourself will be enough for my succession plan? The problem, the problem with a simple, a simple will will do only what it sets out that it says. So you might say, I leave my business to particular children, but it, but it doesn't go into any specific detail as to what that actually means. Is it uh, they get full control or do they get to deal with administrators who are claiming any debts? They might appoint the wrong person as the executor. Uh, these do-it-yourself will kits are very dangerous in that if you don't know what you're doing for it to be understood and for it to be effective there may be a, a court case that could go for a year cost cash flow problems again money. yeah so yeah so yes a do it yourself will if you have a very simple life like if you have a very you know like you you're married to the same person for life and the, the children you have are the only children and you have a very simple structure, a do-it-yourself will well, might do the job, mm. but very great chance it might not. Mm. And if you get creative, I've seen it's, I've been, I'm an accredited specialist in the area and I've been doing nothing but this for 15 years and I've seen yeah. some very creative uh, yes. clauses where people have put in what they think should happen but on a lay reading of it, it just doesn't make sense, and you've got to you've got to get a judge to interpret what that actually means. Mm. And that's you know, if you're in front of a judge, something's gone wrong mm. because that, that that means there's a dispute that's going to cost a ton of money. Much better to get something done properly, right first time, right first time, rather than let because if someone's dead, yeah, it's not their problem; they're dead. But their surviving family, they're the ones that are not going to thank mum or dad or whoever left this mess for them to clean up right. well thanks very much for your time adrian we'll have a chat with you again another time thanks julian thank you bye-bye Bye. time to have our weekly chat with christina good afternoon christina good afternoon julian how are you i'm very well thank you and we're you're dry i hope you're dry. dry i'm dry at the moment okay. the future is faster than you think we're going to talk, yes. a, talk a bit about that today Yes, I am. So The Future Faster Than You Think, it's a, um, a, a book by Peter Diamandis and Steve Kotler. Uh, and throughout the book, they discuss different aspects of life. And I thought what we might do today is have a bit of a conversation around um, retail and shopping because it is changing um, at, at 
yeah, rapid rates. And, you know, I, you don't often walk down a street without seeing another shop that's um, closed down and then you hear about the amazing things that some other shops are doing and, and what is the difference. Uh, and I think potentially the biggest difference that's going to happen in retail is how well we decide that, that we're going to use artificial intelligence. Um, because artificial intelligence can help us gather so much data about customers. It can help us gather data about um, the volume of people that cross into, into different sections, um, different streets. And I think you might recall the, the little mounds that are sitting in Derby Street um, and the sensors that we use to gather information about when Derby Street was being um, popular, you know, popularised. So mm. when, how, what, at what time during the day were there people there? And then with that kind of information, you could man a store, you could decide that it might not have been worth opening at particular hours. But artificial intelligence is going to have um, a huge impact on retail. Uh, and at one point of time, there's even a, a thought that it will make purchases for us. So, you know, there's things like Amazon's um, Alexa, Google's Assistant, Apple's Siri, Alibaba's Timor Genie, um, and they're all kind of vying for our um, AI-assisted commerce business so that if I actually want a, a new dress um, for tomorrow, I'm going to say, hey, Siri, I really need a dress for tomorrow. Can you, um, can you help me? Uh, and then with the use of augmented reality, virtual reality, you know, Google Glass, whatever it is, um, that takes us into uh, into a shopping world without physically being there, um, with sensors that we may wear in our shoes that have mapped our body so it knows exactly what we need um, size-wise. We've combined that with 3D printing. You know, the, the future could be something where I go, hey... I need an outfit, uh, I get shown a fashion display through virtual reality when I put my goggles on, I can invite um, my best friend in to give me some comments about what they think of the outfit that I'm wearing. The model that I'm, that I'm looking at um, is perfect for my body because that's already plugged into my phone and then the 3D printer prints it off and, and the drone kind of delivers it. So there's all these kind of different experiences that retail potentially could go into. We already know that there's um, there's some stores, um, Amazon opened one in the States, Amazon Go, uh, where the cashiers were gone. And mm. I think we spoke mm. last week or a week before where we said, um, where we um, mentioned that there was a robot that was being the waiter uh, mm. in a restaurant, but behind that waiter or behind that robot was That's a person the... with a disability that mm. was serving you. So all these things are, are you know, are possible. Um, what is it when the when um, with augmented reality and the trying of the clothes on, or in this whole cashless, um, no cashier society? When you know we're calling it frictionless shopping. What is there that's going to draw us into a potential shopping centre, or are they just going to all close down? You know, will they? Will we have no shopping centres, no current experiences um, as we know them now, where we we head into a shopping centre? And there's some work being done um, on that. So, where there's one particular um, big organisation who's um, rethinking uh, what that what that shopping experience might be in in the big complexes in the shopping malls and you know they're doing some testing with hanging sensory gardens smart changing rooms mindfulness workshops you might go to the toilet and all of a sudden you'll have your health um, assessed 
Uh, there'll be magic mm-hmm. mirrors that will offer reflections of, you know, a whole new range of products, 3D printers, etc. So it might be that the shopping mall is going to be your entertainment, your wellness factory, yeah. a learning organisation and a personalised product match. Yeah, with, I've, you I've know? heard all those comments. Uh, I, I think one of the biggest challenges still is... is uh, people's trust and uh, you know whilst I, I mean it's obvious from the statistics that a large number of people buy stuff online now um, they still want the experience of actually going into a shop and trying that on I think. Uh, and Bob and this actually becomes easier as well because there's other ideas that say we're going to have concept stores okay. so instead of going in and, and seeing all the product like you, you know you won't see five size eights and 12 size tens and you know etc there'll be one of each Mm. size you'll try it on um, and it will either get 3d printed for you and delivered or you'll order it from the factory warehouse so the size um, Mm. of the organization is going to be small as well although you and i may want to try things on there is a whole new generation who just don't want to do that they want it delivered to the door and you know some of the biggest items that are or some of the the most common items that are being delivered to the door are swim is swimwear Mm. now i can't imagine for the life of me ordering a pair of swimmers without having tried them on you know not once but two or three times Mm. um but you know that that whole mindset is changing the other thing that's changing the way we shop as well is the social impact social bottom line where is our money going so how does that factor into the future of retail as well but your ai artificial intelligence because it takes many forms will know the causes that you want to support and Mm. will seek out stores, etc., that support those causes that are dear to you. And, of course, the subject, the future is faster than you think. Um, With the coronavirus, uh, people might not want to go to shopping malls at the moment. That's Um, right. So, yeah, and digital, like the whole digitisation is taking on a mm. a complete new format right now with the coronavirus. Exactly. But then digitisation is also... Um, allowing the coronavirus to be looked at by many, many, many communities uh, because there's a shared platform where people are looking at what this virus actually, you Mm. know, what the molecular structure of that virus looks like and people all over the globe Mm. are able to work on it through digitisation. So, you know, Mm. I think we've said it so many times before, whoever invented the car, invented the car crash. Mm. How will we use all this technology? We are Good a sentient being. Yeah, we really need that human connection as well. Will doing all of this allow us um, greater human connection? All right. Well, we'll have a look at uh, at marketing, the future of marketing next week. We will indeed. Look forward to that discussion as well. Thank you. Bye-bye. Have a great week. Bye. You too. Christina there with, yeah, the future's faster than you think and retail certainly is changing. How fast will it change? We'll have to wait and see. Time for our Harvard Business Review tip. This particular one, get more out of reference checks. You think you've found the perfect candidate for your team, but there's one more step you need to take before officially offering him or her the job. Reference checks. Instead of seeing them as one final hurdle, take reference checks as an opportunity to get a sense of who a candidate really is. Start by asking the reference how they know the candidate. He or she might have managed the candidate for five years or just the candidate's brother-in-law. You don't know until you ask and never show any negativity or scepticism towards the candidate. The reference might clam up. Instead, 
collect input from everyone who interviewed the candidate and focus on one or two concerns. Try open questions like, what examples? And don't interrupt. Sometimes the reference will give you important information if you just wait a little. Then match what the reference says to what the candidate says. So a lot of times people don't really check those references, do they? Well, thank you for being with me for the last half hour. I hope you've enjoyed the program. Next week, Kimberly Claire Campbell, a digital advisor with the Hunter Region Business Hub, will answer the question, is email marketing dead? And we'll have our minute on innovation with Christina and some more business and legal news and views that might affect your business. Until then, have an exciting and prosperous week. And as Johann Wolfgang von Gogh once said, knowing is not enough. We must apply. Wishing is not enough. We must do. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.